You're listening to the Fox Valley Voice with Jaime Gutierrez and Bree Hayes. Good evening, Jaime. Bree, my friend. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am faking it till I make it. That's, <laughs> is, it okay? is it okay to just come right out and say that? It is. I probably should have said that myself. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's Monday and it turned out to be a complete Monday at work today, but I am excited. You know why? Why? Because Scott Tipping is going to join us on the program tonight. Scott Tipping? Who's Scott Tipping? Scott Tipping. He is a local music legend guitarist extraordinaire blues rock and roller plays in a ton of bands uh some very famous bands uh we're going to talk to scott about that in a little bit but as fantastic as a musician he is he's an even better person and that's one of the reasons why i love scott so so much that is an incredible intro (laughs) Like, such a good intro. I don't know what we talk about after this. Shall we just get to the interview? Okay. All right. Well, let's talk to Scott. All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your, um, you know, how did you get started? What's your, you know, give us your elevator pitch. Sure. Um, My dad was a guitar player. I come from a music musical household. Like even my sister and my mom didn't really play intr- instruments, but they were very involved with music. So like as a kid, we we would go to family concerts out at Poplar Creek and stuff. I started picking up the instrument. They were actually joking with me about it when I, uh, uh, the other day because I got to see my parents for the first time because we're, we're all vaccinated now. And uh, my parents were telling my daughter a story about how when um, in seventh grade, they took us down on a family vacation to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And I, I played with the hotel band two nights in a row um, as a child. Like, and and um, so music has always been with me. I, the last 15 years, I haven't had like a, a regular day job. I've, I've just been playing. I've always been playing dates, but it got to a point where I was busy enough uh, to have a day job. So for me, a, a lot of what my life is, is um, traveling with different musicians, playing, recording. I have a little band of my own out here in the suburbs. There are some bigger people that I get to tour with, some festivals and stuff, and some studio sessions and things like that. So it's always incredibly engaging. And I find that the more I get into it, the more people I still get to network with, which, which I'm grateful for. I'm always kind of getting to meet new people and new faces. And that's one of the brilliant things about our area, as well as the Chicago area, is there's a lot of musicians, a lot of really nice people who like playing. And there's a lot of sharing of projects and stuff. And so when we've established that you are a guitar player, tell us a little bit about your your preferred styles. Well, you know, I'm pretty much in a, in a more of like a classic rock and roll type of vein. I'm super influenced by a lot of the great blues players like um, Magic Sam and Otis Rush. 
and Michael Bloomfield, Peter Green. Then there's a lot of rock guys, Dwayne Allman, Dickie Betts. I mean, I could go on for days, Hendrix and all those people. I listen to a lot of soul and funk music, but a lot of my stuff comes out as rock and roll because it's sort of a melting pot. I've never been like a, I'm a straight blues player or I'm a straight this player. It's always been kind of varied. I like to keep listening to things uh, throughout the winter because we knew winter was going to be dark uh, for a lot of us. I started my own little radio show with my record collection and I, I love listening to music and I love being around people who turn me on to different music. So hopefully there's like an established group of influences and then there's stuff that just kind of keeps growing and morphing. Mm -hmm. We found that people sometimes are hesitant to brag about themselves until they are asked. So I'm going to ask, give us a few of the touring opportunities that you've had uh, with with some some groups that we might recognize. Sure. Uh, yeah, that is a that is a question that nobody wants to tackle. Like I did this. You know, yeah, we are giving ago. you we're giving you permission. So, yeah. Just yeah, lay it on, okay. yeah, lay it on us. Well, I, I'll tell you one of my favorite memories of playing because it just seemed very surreal and, and something that I didn't really believe in happened and that, and now these are people who are friends of mine and I've worked with on various projects but I got called one of the rock bands that I now play in we're releasing our first music in 10 years is a band called Backyard Tire Fire which my friend Ed Anderson founded and we were old college buddies and I turned him on in college to the band Los Lobos they've been my favorite band since I was 18 years old and so I can't remember the year now, probably 2008 or nine. He called me and he said, hey, man, we're opening for Los Lobos down here in Bloomington. Why don't you come play the set and maybe maybe we'll get to meet him or something. And I said, yeah, OK, cool. So he gave me their set of music. I came and learned the songs and we played this uh, theater that was like a sold out, beautiful theater. And the weirdest thing happened. I, I took this guitar solo. And I felt the audience of the theater applaud, which is like a big buzz. And then I looked to my right and the members of Lobos were standing backstage watching. And I thought, no way, this is weird. And then they asked Ed to sit in for the encore. And I thought, this is unbelievable. Or they asked Ed to close the show with them. And I thought, this is unbelievable. My buddy invited me to the show. These guys are here and now he's getting to play with them. And when they went to do the encore, they asked me if I would come out and play the songs of the encore. And I was like, sure. So I'm a big follower of them. I'm a big follower of Jimi Hendrix. And we play some songs. And then we went into the Buddy Miles song, Them Changes, which happens to be one of the first songs my dad taught me on guitar. And it happened to be the first time Los Lobos ever played that on stage. And it just randomly happened. And Bloomington is where I went to college. And I know a lot of people there from Backyard Tire Fire as well. And so all my friends are in the front freaking out in this theater. And my favorite guitar player, David Hidalgo, is trading solos with me. And there was a point in time where I thought, I'm in a coma. And this isn't happening. There's no, like, I'm in a hospital right now. There's no way that I'm just playing with my favorite band and they just happened to do my favorite song that my dad taught me or whatever, but it ended up being real. Uh, I've been fortunate to 
be on a lot of festival dates with a lot of bigger names. And, and I've been very fortunate uh, that those people have been very cool. You know, like I've got to see and witness some really beautiful things. But that for me has always been the best memory. And I meant to send it to you, Jaime, because you actually brought up the song Them Changes a few months ago. But like we now know Lobos on a level that they, uh, a year or so ago they played City Winery. And afterwards, we all went down to Rosa's uh, lounge where other friends of theirs and friends of mine were playing. And we had like a big, big jam session and stuff like it. They've become buddies. And and f for me, like this band that has meant so much to me since I was 18, to know them on this level, it, it's, it's still very surreal and something I certainly don't take for granted. Wow. That is an incredible story. And when I hear you tell that story, a couple of things occur to me. Number one, obviously, your musicianship is on a level where you can hold your own on stage with Los Lobos. But also, I think it's more than that, Scott. I think they are able to connect with you on a personal level as well, right? Because if you were a killer player, but you were a jerk, you know... <laughs> you still wouldn't be hanging out with those guys. No, well, they're super mellow people and they're, they're just normal, lovely people who like to talk music and life. And I, I've been very fortunate that I've seen a lot of really talented people that maybe have had some issues who have gotten ahead of themselves or, you know, like I don't believe that I have anything that's any different than anybody else. You know, I believe that, Sometimes things just connect and you find something that that works for you or whatever. But music is is a gift. And to be able to improvise, it's a gift. And and as soon as you start to get into your head that you're the one creating all this or whatever, or you start to have hype about what you think you're going to accomplish, you know, that that's um that's an amazing thing for me about music is I know people who have played Madison Square Garden. I know people who've been on Letterman or played Wembley and then they're playing a wedding. It's like, if you really love music, it's all about just loving music and playing music no matter where you are. And I think the trip for some people is the expectation of wanting to be a bigger name or, or have a giant audience. And, and a lot of us just love music too much to even think about that. We just hope to pay our bills. <laughs> Yeah. So you before before the pandemic, you were touring, you were recording, you were playing live gigs. Obviously, yeah. it's been a little over the year of probably not doing that. Uh, what yeah. what was the um, the screeching halt like for you? It was really strange. I was on a gig that I was actually mad about because I was playing a blues gig in Chicago and the bass player had negated to tell me that we were playing for five hours and we wouldn't get done till three in the morning. And I was like, no, 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 you did not tell me this. And he's like, well, I forgot to tell you. He's like, what are you gonna do now? You can't leave at one. And so I was disgruntled. I had fun playing, but I was disgruntled when I left and then everything shut down and, um, it was the weirdest thing because I, I literally, and I know a bunch of musicians who have said the same thing. I had kind of rebuilt my financial situation over the last few years. And I was at this place of comfort. And I remember telling my father, like, I, I've got this thing worked out now where 
things are stronger than they've ever been. And then in a heartbeat, it was closed. And, and, and the first thing that I had to do was keep in mind that I was not alone, that this was happening to millions of people across the board. And furthermore, there were people all of a sudden starting to struggle with this illness, be hospitalized and die. So the first step for me was to realize that, that, that this is not just happening to me, this is happening to the globe. Um, I tried, I tried to uh, think to myself like, well, I'll, you know, I'll use this time to write a new record. I'll use this time to do this and that. Cause I was working on my own album at the time, but largely without being able to do anything uh, or not having things to do rather doing things became hard. So I had a really, I had a really rough time for quite a while where I was sleeping later than normal. I wasn't, I wasn't playing guitar very much because I, I almost like forgot how to do it without, oh, I got to rehearse for this gig or I've got to rehearse this music for this show or whatever. All of a sudden it was just like the guitar just sat there. And I think the other confusing thing was, I think a lot of us thought, well, it'll be a couple months and everybody's going to lock this thing down and, and make it happen. And then we'll be back at it. And that clearly wasn't the case. So then it got to a point of like having to pick up the instrument just so that you're not suffering atrophy anymore. Or like your voice, I sing a little bit and trying not to lose what you've, you know, the stamina you've built. Because at, at that time, you know, for many years, I probably play somewhere between 150 to 200 dates a year. And to have that just be gone it's confusing you know there were a lot of great blog articles that came out around that time that's like hey use this time to get in touch with nature or learn another language and all this stuff and i i couldn't do that i was lost for a while and i was very lucky that i had family close to me that were able to help me with my state and then uh, by fall we, there were some outdoor shows and stuff and, th and that was the weird thing i'm sorry i'm being so talky um but that was the weird thing is when we when we set up a few shows it was like i had friends of mine that were like oh great now everything's back to normal and it was like well no i did three gigs over the last 30 days when i used to play five gigs out of seven days a week this is not normal and same with like the clubs and stuff they would have like i know a lot of club owners who would be like hey isn't it great that you're doing music again and they were like no this is like a 15th of what we used to do this this is not even a band-aid at the time so it's been a hell of an adjust adjustment for me and I feel like for whatever reason with spring I feel like I'm starting to crawl out of this hole like I feel like last year got dark enough that I didn't even quite recognize how dark it was in, until a bit now you know mm -hmm. I recognize a lot of what you're saying in terms of not having the motivation, right, to yeah. do positive, uh, constructive things during the pandemic. I had a lot of those thoughts, too. I read those same articles. You know, I, I actually told myself, I'm going to read books again, because it's been a very long time since I actually sat and read books. And uh, I read exactly zero books <laughs> during, <laughs> during lockdown. Uh, but and I think Brie actually was the person because I think I was lamenting to Brie and her husband, James, about just my complete lack of motivation. And Brie, do you remember me talking to me about that? You're going to have to get more specific. 
I yeah. feel like over Which the last time? Year, we've had a lot of conversations. Well, so you you actually shared some very good advice, and it was that you know this is a global health crisis. It's okay if all you do is survive, right? That sounds like something I said. Yeah. That I read somewhere else. That's not like free knowledge, but um Well, I'm gonna But I remember reading you. that and that being really helpful because um Scott, I'm I'm from the theater world and so it also completely shut down. And so most of my most of my dearest friends are theater makers and musicians. Yeah. And so I really really saw and really felt that wall happen. And it's a lot of people that don't have a net. And then also a lot of people who live by emoting. And so I feel like, and Jaime, I I also like you are someone that I feel like lives by emoting in your own way. And I think we're all so lucky, A, to be alive right now, B, to be housed. Mm -hmm. But man, like I saw this quote from um, Tracy Lutz, who's a renowned playwright. And it was just like, he's like, I've written nothing. Like I I sit down every day to write. I can't, I can't write. My wife like is just like, just take care of our kid. That's all we we need to do right now. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you bring that up uh, as far as your world in theater, because I had, which seemed like this kind of oasis. I was supposed to do, be in the pit band um, for a musical at the Paramount in fall. So as summer kept falling apart, I kept thinking like, but once we get it together, I've got this beautiful project and this is going to be the, oh no, that's not going to happen. This is, this is, okay, this is being pushed off and this is being pushed off. And I think what, what's also brilliant about what you're saying is, and, and I think it was a good thing, but also a difficult thing is that pool of people that you know that express themselves creatively or in an artistic fashion, no matter what that be, is we were all bonded together, which on one hand was a, a beautiful sign of solidarity, but it was also like absorbing all the heaviness, you know, like, and I think, I think for me, that needed to happen because it helped me feel like I wasn't alone, but it was also like a huge weight to know that like all these people that I've spent a lifetime getting to know Everyone in my network, whether it be bartenders, production hands, actors, musicians, you know, like all across writers, you know, all across the board, there were these people in my circles that were feeling the same weight and depth. And and so for me, that that made me feel okay with just knowing that survival is is the key right now. Because I didn't feel that way at first. I kept thinking something will change, something I've, I've got to do more with myself. And then it really just became about holding on and trying to hold on and to be grateful for watching people. I, I knew, I've known some people who have passed from the virus, but not as much in my closest circle, more like my closest circles circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so keeping that in mind that as bad as it is, there's a great Bob Dylan lyric. When you think that you've lost everything, you find out you can always lose a little more. And there's a great truth to that where it's like, if you think this is bad now, it, it could be worse. So so hold on to what you've got. Be grateful for what you've got and, and hope that, you know, people turn this thing around, you know. 
you're you're vaccinated. Congratulations. Thank you. Thursday, I'll be official. That'll be when my second dose is done, you know. Mine is May 1st, and I am so excited. I just got the second vax on Friday. Congrats. Thank you. So you're vaccinated. Uh, I just saw a statistic that um, one out of two adults in Illinois are vaccinated, which is amazing. Um, are you are you feeling like this summer might be more live music? Are you are you getting like bites? Like is it is it getting more than just a couple shows here and there? My calendar is starting to fill up. Uh, I'm very grateful also that the people that I work with want to work safely. So uh, that you know, there's a lot of caution right now. That the hard part is, which is some of the bread and butter of what a lot of people like me do is is the festival scene because a lot of places are now able they have found ways to if they weren't an outdoor live venue they've found a way to make themselves an outdoor venue where they can be distanced and safe and require masks when people get a drink or whatever um but some of the bigger stuff there's a bunch of maybes in fall that i'm i'm just hoping that our vaccination rate keeps going up and our rate of illness and serious illness keep going down and down because it could happen. And if it does, it's beautiful. It certainly looks better than last year because last year, again, I think a lot of venues thought, well, hopefully by June or July, we'll be back at it. And then when that didn't happen, a lot of people started to figure out outdoors and now they've, they've got it down uh, to how to be safe. So it's looking better. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I have no idea. I mean, and and I'm sure all of us can say this. We had no idea that this could spiral like this. I mean, I really felt like everyone would put on their mask, everyone would lock down, everything would be okay. And that's that's not how it happened. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scott, so are you are you in the Fox Valley? You are, right? No, I live in I live in Wheaton. You live in Wheaton. Um, mm-hmm. Well, still, I lived in the city in Chicago for a really long time and still consider myself kind of new to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And it has been such a surprise for me because I, I agree. I thought everybody would put on a mask. I thought everybody would lock down. And again, like you said, we did not see that. What has it been to experience that as a musician and as someone whose livelihood depends on everybody cooperating. It's been very disheartening because I, you know, I think the thing is that it spiraled into this freedom issue and political issue. And really to me, it's always just been a public health issue. You know, this was not about American politics. This was a global pandemic. You know, I, I said to somebody the other day, I made a sarcastic remark about selfish Americans not wearing their mask. And a friend of mine corrected me. He, he's born and bred in England. And, and he said to me, he's like, hey, man, we're not the only country that's not following the rules right now. There's a lot of countries that are having issues because of the same thing. Don't single out Americans. And to anyone listening to this, I love I love all Americans. I'm not trying to be controversial here, but, it, it, you know, it, it's disheartening to me to see that it just became a divisive thing, you know, to me, and especially what was especially disheartening. One, selfishly, people like myself, we couldn't go work, you know, like the more that 
it kept spiraling the more I, I couldn't work. But then, you know, getting bogged down with the viral videos of people without masks screaming at people in grocery stores who are just trying to check out their groceries with a mask on and be safe. It's like, these are people who are helping you survive right now. And whatever frustration or anger you have, you're taking it out on these people who did not create a global pandemic. They're, they're people working for minimum wage. And the only... they. Most of them probably don't even want to be doing that, but they have to, to pay their bills and they're trying to be as safe as possible. Why are we directing this kind of vitriol to these people? You know, that 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 started to get to me. Um, I will admit, too, that sometimes I got a little disheartened, I would say, when I know of a handful of clubs that when we were in lockdown that decided to just break the rules. And And again, I'm not trying to be super controversial, but it just felt like this is just going to stop us from all moving forward. And and I, I empathize with the fact that if you have a business or if you're like myself and millions of other people to watch your livelihood just disappear and to just start to wonder, how am I going to pay my bills? Like, I can't keep doing this. It puts your back against the wall to maybe where you make some decisions that maybe aren't thinking of the whole population. Because to me, I always felt like if we all did it together, we could get back to, to life together. But if we if we do it in these little pockets where we're disobeying or whatever, then it benefits some people, but it continues to spread the virus, which means the lockdowns last longer. So I don't know. To me, it's always been a health crisis and it's something where science should dictate the measure. I agree with that. I don't think that should be controversial. <laughs> I think we are all we are all in agreement with yes. that, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I've been yelled at by a few people. So I, you know, <laughs> I'm tired of being yelled at. I'm tired of being out of work. I just, you know. <laughs> well, and you of all people have, you know, the strongest leg to stand on because you are, like you said, you've been out of commission for a year. So yeah. it's not like you're somebody speaking from the ivory tower unaffected by the situation. You are in it. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, two classic rock musicians I've always dug various points of controversy throughout their career. But, you know, there was a song a couple months ago that was supposed to benefit British musicians who have been on lockdown. And Van Morrison and Eric Clapton had this song where they're like, oh, it's going to benefit these British musicians. And it was this whole anti-mask song, which, first of all, was a terrible song. Second of all, it was anti-mask. But there was also this part of me that's like, which house did Eric Clapton record this out of? And when's the last time he had to go to a grocery store? You know, like talk about like you, I only bring it up because you mentioned the ivory tower. It's like you don't have to worry about these safety measures because, you know, you're wealthy beyond means. You know, what about these people who have to go to their job in these unsafe conditions and have to be as safe as possible? You know, so, yeah, that that that's bothersome. And, and I do feel, I don't feel like I have the right to tell anyone what to do. My opinion is just one person's opinion, but I can talk from a perspective of somebody who's lost over a year of work in a small little thing that I've worked really hard to build. Being an independent musician, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of um, trial and error. And there's always more failure than success, but it's what we love to do. So we do it. So um, I do feel like I, 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 I'm allowed to share my voice, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. 
So Scott, you've done a couple of outdoor gigs, right? This spring? Oh, uh, I haven't done anything yet. Uh, uh-huh. I haven't been outside. Uh, well, yeah, no, I take that back. I thought I saw you at or, uh, that you were at Dry City. Dry City, yeah. Actually, those people have been amazing. And I, and I guess why I was confused is that they called me on a whim when the weather was nice. Dry City is just this cool little progressive Wheaton brewery. And they have musicians a couple nights a week. They just like to support local local musicians. And they've been doing this amazing thing where now we have actual bookings. But like this spring, they would call up and say, hey, it turns out Saturday's going to be nice. Do you want to bring your guitar out and play a little bit outside? And so, yeah, that that was that that felt amazingly good. It felt almost foreign in a way, but it was beautiful to see people. And I've been very grateful for them and some other places who really are conscious about working musicians and how it's, it's hard right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So what was the atmosphere like at that first show at dry city when you finally got to get out in front of some people and, and play some music? I was really scared. I was very nervous. I hadn't done it in a long while. There was a bunch of people out there. Dry city is very cool as far as keeping everyone distanced keeping things safe or whatever. So there was, there's this bigger space with people there. And I remember as I was tuning my guitar, thinking that I hope to God, some people that I recognize show up because I don't want to play to strangers right now, which is funny because usually as a musician, that's kind of a fun thing to try to get people to listen to you. You want to expand, but I was, I was ready to cry. And then some people showed up that I knew And it felt really great. As much as I miss playing music and being around musicians and everything, one of the things that I feel like has been so hard is that connection between playing something and having people respond to it and taking a break and getting to meet people. And now, you know, we meet people outdoors at a distance with masks on or whatever, but it's the same thing. It's the same people. So it felt beautiful. And and it, it just made me cautiously optimistic that we can do this again at some point in time, you know? Mm-hmm. And what about the venue? Are you still involved down there at the venue? Yeah, um, they've got some cool announcements coming. I curate the Sunday album covers show that happened once a month. They've got the outdoor thing down. And one of the things they did, which I really respected, is when Illinois opened up, they, they all of us decided that it was not a good idea to try to do limited capacity indoor shows. You know, we, we had to reschedule so much stuff last year when things were shutting down and opening and whatever. And with the safety of others, everyone just said, we're just not going to do that. We'll just wait till we get outside. And Aurora has made it so they can't open until the first weekend of June. But we've just been preparing for that and uh, getting excited about some of the people that are coming to play and knowing that we can have a decent amount of people in a safe environment out there. Do you have um, any gigs lined up like in the spring? I'll be back with... uh, just solo at dry city this saturday which is i'm excited about like they're they're now moving more not moving more towards but like they're getting food trucks out there and stuff and making their little saturday afternoons an event where they'll bring musicians out um i have a couple i don't think i have many very much in the way of live streams left and i don't have much 
going on in May, but starting June, I've got some outdoor shows at places. You know, one of the rock bands I play in that I mentioned earlier, Backyard Tire Fire, we have our first recording coming out in a decade. And so we're excited. We've, we've found some safe environments to go play. Another original band that I play in called Sunbeard has a new piece of music coming out. And we've found some, you know, nice places that we can also outdoors play. Like I said, certain festival things we're crossing our fingers on. Like there's a big thing in Chillicothe called Summer Camp that we usually play that's always the same weekend in May. And they've moved it to the end of August in hopes that everything's safe enough. So th there's hopefully a bunch on the horizon. And, and my website calendar will be updated soon enough. I don't I just sent it to somebody about a potential gig and realized that like I haven't updated it in over a year because outside of a couple of one-offs, there's been nothing to update, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. My hope is, is that people continue, even if they get vaccinated to follow the rules and be safe. So we can just keep the level of contagion down and, and really, really make this thing disappear as much as possible. I know, we're going to have things like variants coming through that are 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 scary. But I, I really feel like if people can just be responsible, you know, we can we can start to get back to some good things, you know, life things. You know, it's it's more about as much as I miss all the music and, and what I do. And last year was so hard financially or is continuing to be. I, I miss that connection. And I, and I hope. I hope people respect the connection enough to want to do it by any safe means necessary. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it gives me hope that it is the musicians and the artists and the performers that will kind of bring us back to this, the gathering that we miss um, and really want to be a part of. So that's my hope too. Yeah. Well said. Well, Scott, I would like to thank you for, for joining us tonight and, uh, and sharing your thoughts and I am going to use the way that you described your friends in Los Lobos earlier. You said they were just wonderful people who love music. And that's how I describe you. To, oh, thank you, my friend. To other people. Thank you. I'm grateful that you, you both asked me to participate in this thing. I hope you get something that's remotely worth listening to. I, I haven't talked to people in a while, so I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, it's a good thing because we, you know, we asked you to talk. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's why you're here. You're doing great. <laughs> well, you know, you have a lot to edit from, which I suppose is better than tell us about last summer. No. <laughs> you know, I think we got at least three or four good minutes out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Hey, Scott, what's the best way for us to catch up with you? You mentioned your website. Where can we find you? Uh, it's just scotttipping.com, or you can find Scott Tipping Music on Facebook or, or just me on Facebook uh, and Instagram or whatever. I don't, that's as much social media as I can handle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's enough. Uh, that's enough. Yeah, it is. It is. But yeah, and, and all that stuff as this, as these things come in and start to get announced, everything will be up to date. I got to remember how to even log into my website at this point. I, I, I'm not good with that stuff and, and it's been a long time. So hopefully somebody will be able to mentor me through it again, you know? Well, I, I can certainly provide IT support if you need it. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right, Scott, we're going we're gonna to let you go. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks, Scott.
you're right. Scott Tipping is an incredible guy. What a local legend and sweetheart. You know, the funny story about Scott is that I've been an admirer of his for many years. And then I finally got to work with them because I, uh, you know, I was on staff at the venue in Aurora for a while and we worked together and just how he told that story about, oh my gosh, I was on stage with Los Lobos, my heroes. I was like, holy cow, I'm working with Scott Tipping. He's one of my local music heroes. And so I totally get what he's saying. That's really cute. <laughs> um, I also briefly kind of worked with him. He used to have a residency at Verita, which was in downtown Batavia. Yes. And I read tarot cards in the next room while he was playing. And it was hilarious because um, tarot readings aren't usually supposed to be shouted across the table, but like the music was so loud that I'd be like shouting like ridiculous things like, no, the death card does not mean you're going to die. That is pretty funny. That's, but it um, was, it was lovely. Um, yeah, well, that, and, that, and he always that, brought out like a ton of people and it was, it was really great to be in the next room and, and do that. That does make you coworkers, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think we ever talked. Like, I don't think we ever actually met. I was just awkwardly sitting there. Yeah. I mean, if you're walking around waving the death card at people, maybe, you know, he was right to keep his distance. It's true. It's true. There's, there's a reason that I'm not, I'm not actively reading tarot cards anymore. And, and part of it is, is exactly that, to be honest. Yeah. That's a joke, but. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) And one of these days, you're going to read the the cards for this show. I still do not know what time I was born. Um, That is astrology. We're going to do the birth chart. Oh, geez. Did I just... Totally different genre of woo. Did I... Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I did not mean to lump everything all into the same basket. It is. It is okay. I'm not offended. I just wanted to make it clear that we are doing an astrology chart and not reading the tarot of. Okay. So. I apologize. It's cool. Um, I do. Once you find your birth certificate, I do think that we should just do a woo episode. Okay. So we could, we could bring in elements of tarot, some astrology. Is there Mm -hmm. anything else that we can also roll in there? Um, and we can talk about the moon. Ooh, I love the moon. Yeah. So like, those are, th- those are the things that I, I would say that like, I, I how I woo out okay. personally, there are many ways to woo. So <laughs> like it, it could be fun to get like Annie Hex on here. She's our Batavia legendary witch. Batavia has like a couple witches. We could, we can probably get a lineup to come in and talk witch things. Mm. Woo things. This is starting to sound like a fantastic episode. Yeah. Man, I really got to find that birth certificate. You do. Okay. I'm going to work on that. What else has been going on? Uh, I I mentioned uh, actually minutes before we started recording, uh, I just took my first multivitamin after our conversation last week. I'm so excited for you. Do I look any different yet? Um, You're you're glowing a little bit. Like you really are glowing. All right. It's working. It is. You said you've got some real goose. 
Um, that was kind of a lie. I am I am a Good little one. bit dry. I got some press releases in uh, in my email because I, I sign up for stuff like that. There was one about the Aurora Public Art Commission. They are launching an audio tour app. So Ooh. this is in downtown Aurora at the David L. Pierce. Have you been there? I'm not. I have no idea what this is. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to send you some information. I have been to Aurora uh, Public Art. I'm sorry. I what is is David L. Pierce the that's artist? the name that's the name of the facility, the building. Okay, I'm just not um, I'm not hip to the names of buildings in Aurora or ge- in general. Honestly, I'm not I'm not good with building names. I'm not that interested in architecture, to be quite honest. Well, perhaps we can work on that. Um. We could. Or not. Or not. <laughs> we don't have to. I will say, like, uh, the Farnsworth House is really cool. That is, that, like, cool architecture yeah. that I have enjoyed. That's kind of a big deal, actually. It's a huge deal. That's the house in Plano? Is it Plano? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was designed by Ludwig Mies van der Rohe. That sound For right? a uh, lady doctor. It was her escape from Chicago. For a lady doctor, or as some of us call them, doctors. Ooh, yes, she's a doctor. I, I apologize. The feminism is is bad, but um, but it wasn't at po- it was at a point where there weren't a lot of women who were doctors. So okay, we we will allow it because you were speaking with history in mind. Yes. Although I feel like my, I call my friends that are doctors, lady doctors. Like, I know. And I totally, I just had to drop that one on you. I know. Course. I know. I know. I get, I get too comfortable sometimes in my, in my speech on this podcast. Colorado Springs needs a doctor and I happen to be one. But you don't understand. No one around here has ever heard of a lady doctor. Well, it's always the first time. We got a press release from... The, uh, the city of Geneva, and they are opening up the Viking ship for tours. This is the Viking ship that is located at Good Templar Park off of Eastside Drive in Geneva. Are you familiar with the fact that there is a Viking ship? I am. I've not been on the tour. Uh, Good Templar Park is like one of the coolest places, in my opinion. Tell me about it. Okay, so it is, it's this park. So yeah, it has this Viking ship, but it also has all of these artist cottages that uh, that people can use as studios. And so here in Batavia, we have a beloved artist. Her name is Greta Bell. Yes. And she has a studio over there. You don't say. She does. And actually she has offered to give me a tour of it, um, which is very exciting to me. Do you think that I could come along as well? Uh, maybe. It would be cool. Maybe we could go get a tour and then we could have her on the show. That's exactly what I was thinking. I could even bring my tape recorder, which actually has no tape in it, but I still call it a tape recorder. We could just do it right there if she's that comfortable, of course. It would be really cool. I will check in with her and maybe, you know, I don't think this will be next week. I think we'll have to wait until we're all vaccinated. Yes. But I think that that's a lovely post-vaccination, first live, us all together possibility. 
Yes. And perhaps I can talk with somebody about getting a guided tour to this Viking ship that also happens to be at Good Templar Park. And we could get another, you know, recording out of it. That would be really cool. Also, I think that they're, I wonder if it's happening because of Panda Times, but um, they usually do like a spring garden sale over there. And it is really cool and really cute. And I will look up and see if that's happening and we'll put those dates in. I think that it looks like a lot's happening at Good Templar Park. And I think it is like a, a best hidden secret of, of out here. So people should enjoy it. All right. Well, it's not going to be a secret anymore if we have anything to do about it. I love it. So I do want to thank Al Benson for sending me that email about the Geneva Viking ship. And we'll have the uh, the link in the show notes if you want more information about that. I got one more email last week. This was from uh, Jennifer at the uh, Suicide Prevention Services of America. They are hosting a 5K run in Batavia on June 5th of this year. Cool. It's called the Run for Life, and uh, we will have links to that for all of you runners. Bree, didn't you say something about training for for some races coming up here soon? Um, I I mean I'm not necessarily training for any specific race, but I have started a running program. Did I talk about that on the on the podcast? Um, I don't know if you mentioned it to me personally or on the podcast, but I. I heard you say something about running 10K, like you're trying yeah, to I'm get doing up to... a couch to 10K program. Oh my gosh. That sounds like a lot of work. Um, it's three days a week. Like you start and you start like where you run for like 30 seconds and you walk for like two minutes and then gradually over time you run more and walk less. It's literally, it's called couch to 10K because it's, someone who's a couch potato, not doing any exercise and then really training you step-by-step. Step. So do Anybody you think you're, can do it? I, um, are you, are you going to work up to 5k by June 5th? I can run a 5k right now. Whoa. I just won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> not and in all honesty, I don't like running at all, but, um, how do I put it? My brain likes running. I am a happy, happier, healthier person and probably get along with people better if I'm, if I'm running and getting whatever happens when you run and get your heart up. So. Okay. But are you trying to tell me that the actual act of running and convincing yourself to run is, is the difficult part for you? Yes. I hate it. <laughs> I loathe it. I don't know if that's what adulthood is, but I feel like that might be adulthood is like really recognizing that there are things that are good for you that we hate, but we still do because they're good for us. To me, that is running in a nutshell. And that is the definition of adulthood. That's a little bit sad, don't you think? I mean, yes and no. Like to me, being an adult means that you are free to eat ice cream for breakfast and not get in trouble. But I think, I think, well, okay. All right. But this is the thing. It's living a life where you feel good 
and you're making decisions around feeling good and not whether or not you'll get in trouble. I also love being an adult because like I can't, I can eat cake for breakfast. And like, if I do that on my birthday, A, I'm not getting in trouble and B, it's delightful. I would probably feel like shit if I had cake for breakfast every single morning. I, I didn't say every single morning, just every once in a while. But like, again, it's like, it's about the goodness, the feeling good rather than, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. It's like living like a non-punitive life. We're getting real deep here all of a sudden. We, we are. I mean, like we got pretty deep with, with Scott Tipping. We're just in the, we're in the deep mood. I guess that's true. Well, uh, in any case, I will also make sure we post the link to the 5K run for uh, our friends here in Batavia at the Suicide Prevention Services of America. Jaime, are you saying you're going to come running with me? Hmm. Sleep on it. I mean, like the vitamins is like a first step. Step one, vitamin. Step two, 5K run. They have a couch to 5K too. You could do that. Yeah. And we could run, run this. 5k together I, I don't know if that's at my comfort level though i don't know if i'm ready to run be around a bunch of sweaty people but we'll see yeah i mean it's not till june it's not till june time will tell so that's it for the real goose for me i never thought i would have more goose than you never thought i I'd, didn't either I, I i mean i i got my second dose on friday yes. so i've just been kind of goofy and out of it so okay I, we, you know, I, I, I did try to check in with you because I knew that, but this is the first that we're talking since then. So any craziness in terms of the day after the dreaded day after that we keep hearing about? I, I was just like achy and lethargic and uh, had a low grade fever. It wasn't bad. It really wasn't. I mean, I got soup and we put on some movies. So like we ate soup and watched movies and just were horizontal to the point where it felt like, oh, this is annoying. I don't want to be horizontal anymore. But woke up on Sunday feeling good again. So definitely felt it. But again, I've heard worse. So I feel thankful that I got a mild, mild something. So yeah, good. Yes, because I'm getting mine tomorrow morning. Second number two. Do you are you taking the day or do you go into work? I'm working from home. Cool. You'll probably be fine. How quickly did it kick in for you? Same day or was it the next day? It was the next day. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Drink lots of water. I am. Taking your multivitamins. I, I've traded in my, my, my bourbon for water tonight, so I'm, I'm getting ready. Ah, uh, I'm so glad. I'm not. <laughs> well, I mean, water's cheers from over here. Yes, cheers. I think we're ending on a strong note. I think we'll we'll get some guests lined up and I um, can't wait to see you next week, Jaime. Thank you, Bree. I always, always enjoy chatting with you, especially on our show, our worldwide show. This is a worldwide show, by the way. You can hear us anywhere. We have a listener in Ireland. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Oh, fantastic. Okay. I am more than willing to have someone uh, call in or or join us from ireland and we can just have a, a correspondent in ireland giving us the real goose over there that would be great right yeah so into it absolutely
Cool. Leave us a message, call the phone number, send us an email. All of that information is going to be in the show notes. I personally would like to thank our musical director, James Cardis, for the tunes. Did he write us a song about vitamins? Um, He is working on it. He's going to record it for us. I think I think he's also going to make an animation. So it might take a while, but it's a it's a well worth project. It'll it'll be really cool when we can when we can release it. Absolutely. All right, Bree. All right. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Bye. Bye.